this month the podcast is sponsored by Book Recos. We've taken the slot to promote our brand new website and email newsletter. Instagram is a very busy place and we don't want anyone missing out on a top reco. So our monthly newsletter recaps some of our favorite reads of the month, our podcast episodes and author interviews, as well as some of the brands we've worked with and the products we've loved so that we can share those all important discount codes with you guys. You're welcome. Just head to www.bookrecos.com to sign up to the newsletter. You'll then receive an email asking you to confirm your subscription. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, everyone subscribed to the newsletter will be the first to find out about lots of exciting projects like the reading retreat. Our jazzy new website also has a blog. We'll be using this space to recap places we've been, books we've read, topics we're interested in, and just any recos we think you guys might be a fan of. So that's www.bookrecos.com to sign up. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. June has been great and it is time for our monthly wrap up of what we've been reading and also to finally discuss the TV adaptation of Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love. We're so excited to chat about Pandora's book choice for June in today's episode. If you'd like to subscribe, then use code RECOS10 for 10% off at pandorasbooks.co.uk. Lauren, how are you? Jessica, I'm very well. How are you? Oh, good. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm off to Bath this weekend and I'm very excited about I did it. not know yes. this. What are you doing oh, yeah. Bath? seen some friends that live in Exeter so it's like sort of halfway and my cousin texted me yesterday being like Jess I'm in Bath and I've seen this lovely bookshop that made me think of you and I was like Ellie I'm going to Bath tomorrow (laughs) how fucking weird there is so I went last summer for a Hendy and there are so many great bookshops in Bath oh so many for a treat I went about eight years ago now mostly for the spa but I'm absolutely buzzing to be back. It's really nice. It's like oldie-worldy, isn't it? Like oh, cobbled streets. It's just lovely. The Romans absolutely loved it in Bath, and so do I. Um, I want to kick us off today by mm-hmm. discussing the BBC TV adaptation of Dolly's Everything I Know About Love. Because we watched the first episode together mm-hmm, in that Shepherd's Hut. Oh, and true. we haven't discussed it since. No, um, we've, we've not been watching actually. it separately. How many episodes have you seen? Three. So I'm right. actually quite early on. You are, but you're actually also halfway there because I didn't realise there's only seven episodes. Did not know this either. I also did not know that it's not the whole book. Did not know this either. Right. And I mean, it's clever because now she gets there's a series money two, right? and there'll be another, I'm assuming there will be another series. It's got to be a series two. But I was kind of guessing it on episode five. I was like, I don't think we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to speed this along, guys. Yeah, and I was like, okay, seven eps. I'll be honest, I'm not as drawn to it as I thought I'd be. Mm. And I don't know if that's a me thing. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. But also, I don't really watch much telly anymore, Mm. just because I can't be fucked. 
um but I found myself like and I think also because I live with a man who would never watch this yeah I have to find my own time to watch it yeah. but I did find my own time to watch this okay that's so that good. says something maybe it's because I'm watching Love Island and ah, my agenda is just it. fully booked that'll be it it that'll takes up a lot it. of time what you can do lauren is pretty much fast forward until the ends of love islands like when there's a dream scene in a book lots of pulling to chats all right fire pit let's go <laughs> something to bear in mind that's not how it works jessica what i do is i watch it in real real time <laughs> and then during the adverts i read that's very good so i feel like i'm killing two birds with one stone yeah that's a great tip <laughs> um so what do any, you think back of it? to everything I know about love I am enjoying it I'm loving the nostalgia I loved the dance routine they did um as in I nearly called her Farley Birdie and Mags <laughs> and actually on Birdie yeah it's clear that she's the like character version of Farley and also they are all caricatures like they're yeah, they emphasized for tv but it just feels like she is very size like when the the four of them then make up a dance routine and she's like she is really like overemphasizing the character yeah. and I was like oh like I can't I now, now doesn't make sense that you two are friends because she's become like, so played on yeah don't at me and but it just feels or a me. little bit like GCSE drama for me wow wow all of it <laughs> I get what you mean, though. I do you know what I mean. Some of the lines, and I think it's because there are so few shows about female friendships, and that's like all they're about. Like that is really be true, be, be what true. This is about. So I guess it can be quite easy to be like, yeah, would that happen? Like there's a bit where they're all congering around the flat, and I'm like, I've honestly never congered around one of never my friends' houses, my but maybe or, they have. Or made up a dance routine when I was at uni. Yeah, not at that age. Or yeah. we, it, like in year 11 yeah so not that <laughs> far off <laughs> we um so cool. I also finding it very interesting the birdie and Maggie relationship with so birdie is with Nathan yeah and she's like really being villainized and I maybe it's because I'm in a long-term relationship but I'm like no that's completely fair like yeah her to not want to talk about her sex life with her friends because she's like well yeah. that's disrespectful to him yeah and they're all like oh whatever and it's like oh yeah like there's it's interesting yeah. and I'm like seeing it from both sides obviously like it is and it's really heartbreaking to watch it from Maggie's side it's mm. like loves birdie so much I know but it is it, I guess because that's what it that's how she felt in the book right yeah. so it's her experience as opposed yeah. to you have to agree with either side yeah yeah um but I get what you mean I felt I, I do feel a bit sorry for Birdie because I'm also really happy for her yeah. like it's her first ever boyfriend yeah and you're right she I'm found him for her. she found him yeah and I'm absolutely because we obviously know what happens in the book I'm excited to see how that relationship plays out in I'm assuming the next series that hasn't been announced um I've also, seen way sorry go on no go on what have you seen I've just seen way more people reading it on the tube recently. Oh, <laughs> that's also crazy because I thought everyone had read it. <laughs> Same. I'm like, guys, you're about five years too late to this party, but I'm happy for you. I'm very um, happy. If, if anyone was listening, Jess, who hadn't read the book, would you say read the book first or? 
watch one crack on thousand million percent you will enjoy the book so much more than the tv series yeah also i feel like the book is educational i remember reading it however many years ago it was in my early 20s and being like oh i've got all this to look forward to in my 30s and all these things that i no longer care about that i care about so much right now i won't care about Mm. in five years and i know at the time i remember thinking like oh i'd always like i'd never like not shave my legs or whatever it was all her lessons at the beginning of each chapter and then now here I am in my late 20s and I'm like fuck that yes that's so true I don't care as much about these things anymore yeah and also just like I think I mean maybe because we haven't seen that part yet but like the best part of that book for me was the back-to-back of the really sad chapter and then the next chapter I was laughing out loud yeah and I don't know if the series will be able to make me be like oh my god how cool I was just devastated yeah laughing. oh my god I really want to read the book again yeah I actually might or maybe I might get it on audio Uh, (laughs) oh do you know what the I remember when I read the book and I think we even discussed it that that chapter where she like can't she's like chasing the night and she goes to Liverpool yes <laughs> that's in the series and I was like oh my god I'd forgotten about this and how gross it made me feel <laughs> I I one of my like lasting memories from that book you know how shit my memory is <laughs> but I remember that chapter very vividly because I remember I judged her quite a bit for it like, yeah just and it's- get your life together mate it they do it really well in the series actually. do they like, you just feel grim yeah and like she has to call birdie after they've like had a bit of a falling out and she's like can you help me get home help me. and like she, you, you just get that she's such a drain on her friends yeah. And like, yeah it's it's done really well I know and it makes you sound like we really don't like the book or the storyline we love but it's it. amazing <laughs> and I think that's because it's got those jarring elements that we yeah. probably all relate to of when we've done something we're like for fuck's sake why did I do that yeah. I hate myself or you've got a friend who you can who you know makes you think like that yeah and then it all you know there's a happy ending so crack on there is yeah very good um and actually I think discussing this and yes I planned it brings us really nicely on to <laughs> Pandora Dolly's yeah. mate um her book choice for Pandora's books because in the interview with the author who is Ella Risbridger they Pandora says that her books remind her of everything I know about love Mm. Um, and so this book that she's chosen is The Year of Miracles Lauren you want to drop that not? I do (laughs) and (laughs) it's a truly heartwarming mix of memoir and food writing and author of the best-selling book Midnight Chicken Chart as a year through the lens of her kitchen, weaving touching reflections on loss and love together with must-try recipes. This cook is about a year in the kitchen and in the garden under the fire escape steps. A year of grief and hope and change of fancy fish pie, cardamom cinnamon chicken rice, chimchurri, courgettes, quadruple carb soup, black free miso birthday cake and sticky toffee Guinness brownie pudding. It's a year of loss. And every kind of romance and fried jam sandwiches, a year of seedlings and pancakes, a year of falling in love, a year of recipes, a year, in other words, of minor miracles. Does that not make you want to buy this book immediately? Yeah, and eat fried jam sandwiches. Yes, I, I had never heard of them until this book. Yeah, and, I'm and I saw the picture and I was like, mm, yum, want yeah. to try that. 
I love that Pandora chose a recipe book. Yeah. But, but also it's so much more than a recipe book. I would never sit and read a recipe book. But, and I mean, if you compare it to say Stanley Tucci's yeah. Taste, which if you haven't, go and listen to our podcast episode discussing that book. This is, that's like, way, that's his life. And then occasionally he chucks a recipe in. Whereas yeah. this is very much like a recipe book. Yeah. But, but with life sprinkled with, in. Yeah. At the beginning, it's like she, before she gives, so there's a, chapter for every month so a recipe for every month and then there's actually a few for every month yeah. but then she'll before each recipe there's almost like a dialogue or a scene from what happened in her life at that time that she's just written down and captured which yeah to like so make her cook that dish yes exactly and it's like comfort food to help you heal from grief or heartbreak or loss um and the illustrations are just absolutely stunning and it really made me think as well of like Nora Ephron and her books which are also like peppered with recipes for when she's you know going through something in her life like every um he said everything I know about love but also that book yeah um I feel bad about my neck for example and heartbreak heartburn heartburn um also have like some recipes peppered in as well so as well as like a memoir so it's quite synergist with those books. So question for you, Jess, where do you store this book in your kitchen or your bookshelf? Great question. It's currently on my bookshelf, but because it's so pretty, maybe it should be my kitchen because more people would see it. Oh, actually, no, I keep my recipe books in the utility room, so no one would see it. So maybe I'm making a new shelf. (laughs) What I'm hearing here is... Your partner's got a job to do over this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have loads, loads of shelves. What about you? Where are you, where are you it? I'm keeping it kitchen. Yeah, separate. with Stanley Tucci because I actually keep that. You keep in that the kitchen, in the kitchen as well. Yeah, because I do genuinely want to try those recipes. Yeah. And if I keep them in my bookshelf, then I'll never come back to them. And I actually took Stanley Tucci's book home over Christmas because I really wanted to try one of his recipes it was like a stew like a fish stew mm-hmm. um and I didn't and I'm really disappointed in myself oh. so my friend went to her friend's or her like boyfriend's friend's house she didn't really know the guy she was like Jess we ate what can only be described as spaghetti bolognese in a pie <laughs> and I was like um hang on I think it's Stanley Tucci's book they make this like dish that's like pastry she was like that is where he got it from so she doesn't write that recipe <laughs> I can't say I'd it. want to try that recipe I feel like you'd only make that recipe if like Stanley it's a recipe that your you mum used to how. make when you were growing up <laughs> yeah otherwise speaking of recipes have you tried any of these yet so I've bookmarked a few um I want to make the blackened black garlic aubergine that just sounds delish I want to make the apple crumble custard cake donut yeah that was a lot that one right (laughs) it's like a sentence not a recipe it sounds like an absolute delight um the three ingredient three ingredient brownies I saw and I thought of you straight away yeah that's tapped in my one is it yeah and then because the only ingredients are eggs nutella and self-raising flour hello off I go um and but I would like to try the peanut butter brownies because I am an absolute fiend for peanut butter. Yeah. What about I, you? Um, 
along with the brownies and the fried jam sandwiches, I'm very keen to try the Lewisham cheese bread. Oh, I very on the nose for me, chocolate and cheese. Yeah, it's like flatbreads that are like infused with cheese. Sounds absolutely delightful. Grim. No, no. Good. It will be like having like a cheesy naan. But with chocolate. No, no. The chocolate was the brownie one. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I now I know why I don't remember now seeing this board. recipe. Yeah. Um, and I just absolutely love that. Like I've never seen it done this way because it's a year of miracles in January. There's all of those sorts of ones and there's April and you're getting more like springtime yeah. vegetables in the summer. She's making loads yeah, of lovely summery dishes so nice. and then you're back into winter with all the hearty foods. And like, I love that it's separated by month and not it's by a like really chicken idea. or dessert. It's so, yeah, so good. Yeah. And there are like, um, so that it's so all of, I don't know if this is what you mean, but all of the recipes then aren't set into like, starters mains dessert exactly. you've got they're just them there. for each month it's yeah. great um and I love the way they just pop up throughout the book and she talks about living with her friend Joe and through the pandemic it makes like every recipe feel just so personal and special and a little bit nostalgic as well even though I don't know her and I haven't lived through this year with her or with her friends Joe but yet you relate to her yeah, and I well, like it did take me back to the pandemic and when it was really sunny that year. And when she yeah. was talking about it, I was like, oh my God, yeah, there we, we had a heat wave in that first yeah. lockdown. And then she talks about like the second lockdown. Um, it's also just incredibly quotable. I, I God, yeah. made loads of loads, but I really wanted to read this one that I just like read five times before I could move on. Really? It was so lovely. Um, <clears throat> some losses, I think, are too loud to be muted in black. Some pain has to be lived with in full and glorious technicolor or maybe it's that to live a life in full and glorious technicolor there has to be some pain in it or maybe you don't know how important color is until you've tried to live without it oh that's so beautiful gorgeous i need to if like, i was listening to this podcast right now i'd rewind 15 seconds to go and listen to that again <laughs> just told him <laughs> um yeah you're right you should write that down somewhere on your yeah. desk because it yeah. is beautiful and um, you're right it's so quotable and it's also very funny in parts as well. And yeah. like, I'm actually going to share a quote from January and it's the recipe is before, is after she makes the recipe for dippy eggs because it just made me laugh and also made me feel really sad. And it starts with the thing about death, Joe says, bursting the yolk with the buttered crust is that it's exactly as terrible as an egg is perfect. And the golden yolk spills down the brown shell and onto her fingertips. And the year is just beginning and the light catches all of her pink hair and makes it glow. And I take a sip of my tea and a breath and cut off the top of my own egg. And I know exactly what she means. And I don't know why. I just really liked that because yeah, you can really imagine. It's really vivid. scene. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so vivid. It was just, yeah. So there are just so many moments like that that are just like take your breath away kind of beautiful and make yeah. you appreciate life. Don't yes they? that is it it's full of like gratitude and you then saying that like there are for some funny bits mm. I read the acknowledgments as I like to do oh and I know God. you do now I didn't I didn't read it this time oh, this is a great one so this passage here it says thank you to my friends my family and the friends who are my family you know who you are and I love you thank you for agreeing to change your names thank you for letting me use the names you always secretly wished you had been called it's a mark of something certainly that three of you wish to be called Zelda 
<laughs> and now I'm really keen to know which friend got to be because I know there is a Zelda in it. I'm like, what yeah. did the other two choose instead of Zelda then? Oh, that How did that so one get it? funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. And I love the obviously the discussion with Pandora was great as well. Um, I don't like wasting anything in life, especially mm. time. And like Ella says to Pandora on the phone interview that she's conscious of a reader of a cookbook spending time following a recipe because it takes a lot of time and effort Mm. and ingredients and she really hates the thought of someone like wasting their evening on a rubbish recipe and she also doesn't like washing up so she like tries to like use use minimal things and I was like that actually makes me want to try this recipe because I'm someone that's like that sounds like a faff I'm not going to but to know she's like no no this will be worth your time and I've made it so you don't have to do too much washing up I'm like yeah maybe I will that's a really good shout because yeah. I also, I don't know if there's a special name for it, but I can't follow recipes. Like yeah. it's what puts me off making anything, especially baking, because there are too many like numbers and words. And it, it's and a it lesson in all... chemistry. <laughs> See what you did there. Just all gets fuzzled in my head and I end up like missing really important steps and just mm-hmm. fucking it up. But what I did notice about this book is you're right. It's so simple, very minimal es- very minimal ingredients and steps yeah so it may it makes you feel like it's much more doable and not a headache yeah um and actually I think I'm gonna this would be a perfect gift for a friend regardless if they've gone through grief or whatever I mean we all have to some extent haven't we so I just think it'd be a really special book to give someone because it's not necessarily something you would buy for yourself and actually subscribing to Pandora's books for a friend would also be a great book great a great present gift mm. great gift the gift that keeps on giving literally absolutely um if you are going to do that for your mates use code recos10 for 10% off at pandorasbooks.co.uk or yourself no judgment here or, yeah do both <laughs> <laughs> um shall we go into another fictional buddy read before we go back to non-fic let's do it because today is buddy reads galore Mm. um and we want to chat about blood sugar by sasha rothschild which was kindly sent to us by orion publishing oh um got a text (laughs) (laughs) and i love that you said orion not thank you well done um i love the bold type this might sound like a sidetrack but it's not because the author of so Sasha Rothschild also wrote um the script and produced the bold type which I've talked about on this podcast before I've given it a reco it's just such feel good tv watching um so that's another series you can go and watch if you're if you're interested recos galore Um, when we saw she'd written a novel Bish bash bosh, it was on the TBR. We jumped on it. Yeah. Uh, we got some physical copies and it has a really cool cover. Go yeah. and look at it on our Instagram. Um, but we were taking a six hour round trip together. So we decided to switch to audio form. And I'm really, really freaking gra- glad that we listened to it and that we did together. Want to drop the snot again? <laughs> She's accused of four murders. She's only guilty of three. When Ruby was a child growing up in Miami, she saw a boy from her school struggling against the ocean waves while his parents were preoccupied. Instead of helping him, Ruby dove under the water and held his ankle down until he drowned. She waited to feel guilty about it, but she never did. 
And as Ruby will argue in her senior thesis while studying psychology at Yale, guilt is sort of like eating ice cream while on a diet. If you're already feeling bad, why not eat the whole carton? And so bodies start to stack up. 25 years later, Ruby's in an interrogation room under suspicion of murder, being shown four photographs. Each is a person she once knew, now deceased. The lineup includes her husband, Jason. She is responsible for three of the four deaths, but it might be the crime that she doesn't commit that will finally ensnare her. Mm, and as you might have heard from that, it's kind of similar to How to Kill Your Family by Bailey Mackey. Um, we have a whole podcast discuss, uh, episode discussing that book. Mm. And also, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'm going to do it now. Bella Mackey herself DM'd us to say, just listen to your podcast on my run. Loved it. And what about that? Yeah, I absolutely died, especially because she listened to it on a run. I was like, oh, my God, this is like peak Bella Mackey. <laughs> Um, so I now want to go back there. and listen to that God, episode. I know, I know. I'm like, oh God, did we let Sagar oh, off? <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Yeah, we um, loved it. We loved it. So it's no surprise that we absolutely love Blood Sugar because they are quite, sim- they're not the same at all. They're very different books, but there are similarities. Yeah. So the opening scene in this book is Ruby, age five. She's carrying out her first murder, <laughs> age five. And she's drowning an older child who was bullying her sister. I remember you turned to me in the car being like, did she just kill someone and she's five years old? I was like, oh, yeah, I think that is what we're listening to. <laughs> A fervish? Yeah. It's pretty bleak but also completely not no it's quite funny as well yeah like you're weirdly on her side even though she's murdering a child yeah as a child Um, she's quite likable she's very likable and she constantly says throughout the book that she knows she's not a psychopath or a sociopath because she keeps checking and taking all the tests (laughs) but she's not (laughs) and she's not she's a she's pretty normal functioning otherwise she does have friendships and relationships and yes and she's a therapist and she studies psychotherapy at Yale, like it said in the blurb. Um, and it will come to no surprise to anybody that my favourite part of this was because it was sort of told in this detective's inve- investigation room. And yeah, you do love a detective mystery. I, do, I loved it. Um, and this one really felt like you were being given the information bit by bit, because I remember there were a few times we had to pause the audio and ask each other, wait, who's so-and-so and and how did she kill him? Which may have been because we were listening to an audio, but also it's because the way the story is told, you know right at the front that she's only killed three out of four. So you're waiting for for the story to catch up to tell you which of those ones she actually did, because it sort of goes back and forth between past and present. Um, and then you see how it relates to the detectives. The story relates to the detectives questions that he asks her as well. It's very smart. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah. And you saying that you've made me realize that it'll actually be kind of hard to talk about this without spoilers. Mm. Cause I was about to discuss my favorite reveal and I probably shouldn't. Um, but what I will say is that tensions rise towards yeah. the end of this book and everything throughout the whole book is relevant to how it plays out yeah the yeah you're so right um and we kept saying oh is this actually a character driven book about her life and killings more than action heavy and I'd say that the last quarter really brings it all into play doesn't it yes exactly it's very good I'm so glad we read it if you if you read it stick with it 
you'll all see why it's so enjoyable. It is. It's another really high reco. So make sure you to click on the link in the show notes to buy any and all of the recos that we've mentioned today, actually in our um in the show notes and there'll be links to buy them from independent bookshops so you can do a bit of good with your money yes. as well um the links are all on bookshop.org which is uh, basically an online hub for bookshops to make it really easy for us shoppers to support them so there's no excuse for you yeah. to be like oh amazon's online so is this off you yeah and even if amazon is a little bit more expensive Cheap. uh, cheaper think about how like how much you can help a bookshop just by giving them an extra what three quid is the price of a coffee yeah um exactly that said let's end the episode with our most recent buddy read which was not quite white by Layla Wooza. Jess would you like to drop the synop I will <laughs> let me just get it up um, this is a story of belonging and not belonging of not knowing if you exist and making sure that you do This story is for ancestors and descendants, for the people without roles or representation who find themselves placed in a random mixed up race. This is a story about time travel and tigers of mountains and moons and what happens when you sew a thread that was split in two. Reliving defining memories from early childhood in the 90s to the present day, Leila Wazir engages with the divisive patterns of racism and prejudice and their cumulative effect on a single life. Using the healing stream of connection with personal and family history, friends, nature and imagination and the art of creation, Layla illustrates the way a self was forged. Between past lives and personhood and from colonialism to creativity, this is a vivid lyrical account of identity, endurance, courage, growth and artistry. In Not Quite White, you're invited to follow the journey of somebody trying desperately to understand who they are, how to survive and what it means to thrive. There's a lot of big words in there. (laughs) (laughs) You did a great job. Thanks. Um, I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about Layla before we got sent this book. And it kind of, to a little bit, reminded me of you reading Crying in H Mart, like how you didn't know anything about the author. But again, it's just proof that you don't have to know the author before picking up a memoir, especially when it tackles like such important topics like this. Yeah, that you wouldn't know about otherwise like the best way to hear about them is directly from the person's experience mm. um and despite the fact that me and Layla have very different upbringings the main difference being that I'm completely white and they come on, on being both a person of color but also the extra confusion of being mixed which we will yeah. get onto however I wanted to start by talking about the nostalgia yeah. in this book <laughs> I'm also very aware we've talked about nostalgia three times but we, me and Layla did grow up at the same time and there were lots of references that made me go, oh my God, I'd nearly forgotten that. And one in particular is this passage. Let me just get it. Mum encouraged me towards normal clothes, currently clingy floaty sleeve tops and boho skirts with giant medallion belts, parts of the Caribbean extra. And I can literally envision my brown skirt medallion belt. Do you remember when the word boho was everywhere? Yes. Oh my God, you're so right. There were so many moments like that. And like what she was watching on TV at the time, huge, um, like huge flashbacks. And this, a certain section took me back to where Layla says, we graduated from class one to class two and from McDonald's birthdays to Charlie Talks. And... I don't know about you, but a McDonald's birthday party was all the range, wasn't it? Oh my it? God. When I mean, you got an invitation to McDonald's you. birthday party. Oh, did you I'm ever have one at McDonald's? I can't, I can't remember if I did or my sister did. 
but I've, uh, there was one in the family with friends yeah yeah and when everyone then just like elevated to wacky warehouse or charlie chalks yeah yeah i had a sick wacky warehouse one and it was just so much sweaty fun and where you'd like run to the parents have desperate sips of a freak shoot like yeah and then run back to the climbing planes because you couldn't bear to waste any time and you were so sweaty (laughs) dying oh my god yes (laughs) nothing better than that big drop drop slide either i remember i was absolutely terrified of it and i think it was the one at wacky warehouse that it was just so steep and it was mm. sponsored by Cadbury's, I think. Yeah, it was in purple, purple and it had the Cadbury's logo. And I was too scared to go down it. And I remember going back there when I was maybe a bit older and I don't know why I was there. Maybe I was dropping someone off there or something and being like, that is the most meager slide I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. And I was too chicken to go down it. I remember getting a severe friction burn on my back from that drop slide. <laughs> And that's why they say wear long sleeves and long trousers. But I'm oh, sorry, when you're going to run around and be that sweaty, it's just not feasible and you're going to have to risk the friction burns. Anyway. <laughs> back to the book. Um, you've really just taken me back to being like eight years old at Wacky Warehouse. Um, and you you touched on it earlier about Layla's experience of growing up mixed and the the like constant confusion and desire Layla felt to just belong. And it was just so heartbreaking. Um because they really had like this identity crisis and it just becomes so clear of how it must feel to be young like a young 16 year old through to being a teenager and having to figure out like who you are without not entirely understanding your heritage and then you know the way that takes you right through to university I was just so grateful for Layla giving us the understanding of this quite complex topic yeah you've really hit the nail on the head there and hearing about Layla as like a five-year-old asking mum where are you from dad where are you from and wondering am I Welsh we live Mm. in Wales um but my dad is brown and my mum is American yeah white confusing Um, And I'm going to read another passage. I'm full of the passages today. (laughs) I've actually got one too. (laughs) But at the beginning of the book, Layla likes terms like POC and BAME because of not understanding quite what their identity was. But you basically, if you weren't white, you fit into this bracket, which Mm. at the time suited Layla. And then later on in the book, we have this passage. Terms like BAME and POC only make sense if you understand and accept whiteness as the default. Think of a rainbow. Imagine identifying the colors of a rainbow as blue and not blue. Blue is still called blue. That's clear enough. Red is now not blue. Orange is also not blue. And green, well, that's also not blue. So the same group as not blue or what was red and orange, but green not blue is so much closer to blue, closer than red slash not blue or orange Mm. slash not blue at least. And red and orange are not exactly the same either. So some not blue is different to the other not blue, either closer to blue and maybe near blue. We could call some of the not blue near blue and some far blue. Or maybe some not blue is different to other not blue in ways that cannot be explained using blue and proximity to it. And you get the gist. Jeez. And that learning from the beginning of the book, being so happy about those terms and finding a place amongst them. And then the end of the book being like, hmm, they are quite reductive yeah and they don't actually work they don't Um, help they're not helpful yeah it was very 
well done that sort of nod back um, yeah I and agree I loved it. and I love the analogy <laughs> yeah <laughs> chaotic it was really as it was. <laughs> really smart isn't it um and in when you read the description it's described as like a lyrical book yeah and that's so true and there are so many passages that I thought were really beautiful and I just want to read this bit from the prologue because I thought it was just really I just I it's again another very vivid passage because you mm. can understand it and you can really visualize it and right. it describes the moment Layla sat down to write this book and it says Cradled in the sanctuary of twilight hours of the quiet when all the city sleeps, I sit down and think backwards to the beginning or my beginning or this story's beginning at least. And somewhere beyond, I see the spark of a sentence. I begin at last to write outside the densest of clouds London so rarely shows. A cold snow blows past the moon. The wind whispers and a comet crackles and through falling snowflakes comes the tender glance of stars. And one day, not yet, but one day, somewhere near the end, I'll recall this particular moment as the one that started the rest. Lovely. Oh, so nice. Lovely. Right, well, there you have it. Today, there's been so many great quotes with Chuck's a recipe book, a memoir, and a funny thriller your way. You are absolutely welcome. As Lauren said earlier, they're all um, going to be in the show notes available to buy from indie bookshops. You're welcome again. (laughs) (laughs) Just doing good left, right and centre. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this has been lovely. Yep. Um, Have a lovely weekend. What are you doing while I'm in Bath? I am going out tonight, so I don't know if I'm going to be feeling maybe a little bit hungover later. We shall see. Uh, Tomorrow, so we shall see. That's good. You've got a clear calendar, so you can be. Totally. Hopefully it'll be sunny so I can read. It's meant to rain. Damn it. You can still read in the rain. That's even better. I want to just go outside to read, though. You know, get some vitamin D. You can just get wet. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. And you can always share the podcast with your reading buddy too. They'd love it. Uh, and if you don't already, then follow us on Instagram at BookRecos for, funnily enough, more book recommendations. See you next week. We'll be here. <laughs>